For Republicans who have complained that Arizona takes too long to tally votes, there's an ironic new drama to the 2022 midterm elections. Two of the GOP's winning candidates are at risk of losing their races as Republicans in Cochise County refuse to certify their elections as they raise doubts about Arizona's voting machines. That normally forgettable function of election administration is suddenly the subject of a pair of lawsuits that add a chaotic coda to a disappointing election for Republicans in Arizona and across the country. There were complaints aplenty in Republican-controlled Maricopa County as officials there took heat for tabulator problems that arose on election day. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming down on a Monday uh, to testify. We appreciate Also appreciate those who are poll workers for the work that you did uh, for our county. And officials in Republican-controlled Mojave County threatened to delay their election certification before relenting late Monday. Welcome to The Gaggle, a politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm your host, Ron Hansen. I cover national politics for the Republic. Joining me to make sense of what happened are Republic reporters Sasha Hupka and Mary Jo Pitzel. They've been covering the events along with all our colleagues, really. Sasha, Mary Jo, welcome back. Good morning. Thanks for having us. So I want to make sure I understand this for our listeners. Juan Siscomani's congressional win in Southern Arizona and Tom Horn's win as superintendent of public schools are at least potentially in doubt because Cochise County officials are upset with machines in Maricopa County and around the state. And the person trying to make sure those Republican wins are preserved, not to mention all the local races in Cochise as well, is Democratic Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, who is also the governor-elect. <laughs> so do I have that about right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so ladies, what is going on? And Mary Jo, what else is happening with Arizona's elections? On Monday, there were two lawsuits filed against Cochise County asking a court to basically order the supervisors to certify election results. On Earlier on Monday, the board had voted to delay making such a decision, which prompted the lawsuits. As of this taping, there's a lot of questions running around in Cochise County, including who is going to represent the board. Um, their attorney um, is, has stepped away from these matters because the board ignored his advice that failure to certify by November 28th would um, amount to breaking the law. I checked with Cochise officials, and they're not sure who's going to represent them in court. So a lot of chaos happening down in the southeastern part of the state. Meanwhile, the attorney general's office is digesting a response that came from Maricopa County officials regarding the conduct of the November 8th election. Okay, so that sounds like a good entry point here, Sasha. Let's go back to Maricopa County, and which seems to be the epicenter of the controversy in the state, as always. What are some of the issues that people like Assistant Attorney General Jennifer Wright are upset about, and what was the county's response to all of it? So as we've talked about before on this show, the county had a really bad election day. They had about 30% of polling sites experiencing issues 
with on-site printers producing ballots that were too light to be read by tabulators at the polling places. And those are the machines that count the votes. Wright's letter asked a bunch of questions around the printer settings, around people checking in and checking out of polling sites, and the so-called door-free, which is a secure box that's used every election for tabulator misreads, but it got extra attention this year because it was used as an option for voters experiencing the printer problems. The letter suggested that Maricopa County officials disenfranchised voters and broke election law. And the county has very firmly rebuffed that. They responded with a letter of their own over the weekend, as Mary Jo mentioned, that addressed most of Wright's concerns and basically said that just because there are unexpected issues at the polls, that doesn't mean that the election isn't valid or that voters weren't still able to cast ballots. No election is perfect. It's also worth noting that Wright has previously bolstered unproven election claims around the 2020 election. And one of our reporters, Robert Anglin, found that she posted support of Republican candidates and issues long before Election Day on social media. So she's not really an impartial observer here. The county held a meeting on Monday ahead of its certification vote. Did anybody show up? How did that go? People most definitely showed up. I think it's definitely the most people I've ever seen in the Board of Supervisors auditorium. These meetings are usually super sleepy, and there's been a few times where I'm the only non-Maricopa County employee in the room. Uh, but this one was a full house, and honestly, it was it was somewhat tense. There were about a dozen law enforcement officers around the room. There may have been more in plain clothes that I just didn't see. And this crowd was not shy about interrupting board proceedings with shouting, jeering, booing, cheering. And at one point, Chairman Bill Gates got close to calling a recess uh, while recorder Stephen Richer was talking, and the crowd kind of erupted for a minute. They weren't particularly friendly towards journalists either. On my way into the building, I got called a slave master and was filmed. And on my way out, somebody was asking me how much money George Soros pays me. And for what it's worth, he, he most definitely doesn't. So you've been covering some of the serious matters, the violence and the threats that Republican members of the county have experienced in all of this. What has been the feedback toward county officials on that front? So ever since 2020, we've seen that election officials across the country have received threats. And Maricopa County is no exception to that rule. Um, the DOJ has actually already charged a number of people with some of them. At the meeting yesterday, they were called traitors, incompetent clowns, vote traffickers, all manners of, of names. Um, they were accused of corruption. They were accused of rigging the election. And we even saw, you know, potentially some some veiled threats toward them on the dais. I mean, there was one speaker who came up to the podium and essentially said, you know, what you're doing is treason and treason is a capital crime. It's punishable by the death penalty. We also saw 
last week that Chairman Bill Gates went kind of into hiding for for one night. Um, and Sheriff Paul Penzone said that that was, you know, out of an abundance of caution. But Gates and his family did leave their home at the sheriff's suggestion for a night over a fret on social media. Officials have told me that they don't see signs of any of this threatening behavior slowing down. Um, it seems to be pretty consistent at this point. And it's something that has caused across the state a lot of election officials to actually leave their jobs, a, a story that Mary Jo really wrote and uncovered. One thing that will be interesting to track in the wake of this election is what happens with election staffing going forward. Will there be people leaving again after this cycle? I think that's a story that has yet to be explored. Just to add to that as well, I also think that an interesting component here isn't just the officials leaving, it's also the staff, the volunteers, and even getting locations to agree to serve as polling places, you know, churches and schools and office buildings and all these public places that, that serve as our polling sites, it gets harder and harder to get those places to serve and to get people to step up and volunteer their time and to get people to say that they're going to work as poll workers or uh, work within the elections world, either temporary or as permanent employees when you're constantly getting threats. I had one friend who had served as a poll worker. She got the letter, I think in the summer, asking if she wants to come back for the 2022 cycle. And her response was, heck no, you know, I don't want to be sitting there and have people come in with guns. She goes, we're just a bunch of old ladies sitting around and we don't need to deal with that. And indeed, she um, backed away and did not volunteer to be a poll worker this time. I've heard some poll workers who served this time around tell me something similar, that they're not sure if they're coming back or not. And honestly, I can't really say I blame them as a journalist who gets lots of hate in my inbox every day, too. I mean, it can be very demoralizing. A lot of this sounds like a reprise of the 2020 election, where we saw lots of people outraged at the results, in particular that Joe Biden won Arizona over then-President Donald Trump. That led to months of investigation into who won and and a tedious hand recount of Maricopa County's ballots. The citizens that we've seen and the attorney general's office, their interest in this, these are not the only questions being raised now about Maricopa County. Republican State Senator Kelly Townsend issued a subpoena against the county. What was their response? So Townsend's subpoena asked for a lot of the same information as Jennifer Wright's letter. And a lot of these challenges and criticisms have kind of come all at the same time in the last two weeks or so to the county. The county rebuffed her subpoena, though, and they said that it wasn't properly submitted um, and it wasn't entirely legal how she did it. She also issued this the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and they basically said that there wasn't enough time even if it was legal, to get her responses to her questions by Monday morning because of the holiday, but that they are willing to answer questions from the legislature to the extent they legally can do so if they're actually given time to do that. You know, Ron, you referenced the angst over the 2020 election. And I think the way to look at this is this is part of a continuum. We are continuing on a path through 2022 on to 2024, all driven by it appears heightened suspicion of elections if 
your favorite candidates don't win. I should also note that there will be more investigations. The Freedom Caucus in the Arizona Senate, when it convenes early next year, has said they will be investigating what went on. I don't know whether they'll be trying to use subpoena power or not, but watch for hearings on that. And we will do that. So the problems that happened in Maricopa County have once again sort of ricocheted around the state. This is something that was in some ways telegraphed in terms of the concern about the election and how it would be administered. We saw this in Cochise County even before the election results were known. Mary Jo, you talked about that with us in an earlier episode On Monday, we saw two different lawsuits filed against Cochise County officials because they had these longstanding concerns that have now led them to delay certification. What is the latest in those two cases? They're pretty brand new. Um, All we know is that they're filed in Cochise County Superior Court. I think there's a possibility that they may be referred to an out-of-county judge, as was done with um, earlier complaints about the board's intent to hand count ballots. And as I mentioned earlier, at least as of the, as of this taping, the county doesn't know who's going to be representing the board. So we don't know what kind of legal representation they will have. What we do know is that the lawsuits filed by the Association of Retired Americans, as well as Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, are both asking the court to make a decision by Thursday so they can conduct the statewide canvas on Monday, December 5th. Okay, let's start with the most important questions. There are two races in particular that would be directly affected if somehow Cochise County's results were not included. That is Juan Siscomani's congressional win over State Senator Kirsten Engel and Tom Horn's win over Superintendent Kathy Hoffman. Both those races would go to the Democrats if the Cochise County votes are not included in the state's totals. How likely is that sort of doomsday scenario at this point? Most people I've talked to say that that's highly unlikely. They are betting that the court will order the supervisors to do the certification. There is a process where the numbers from Cochise can still be accepted in time for the statewide canvas. But it's one way to sort of illustrate, you know, what's at stake when counties choose to ignore the law and the consequences. And this one's a head scratcher because Cochise is a very Republican county, and this is going to hurt their own candidates, not to mention all of the other local races that, you know, were on the ballot from justice of the peace to school board to city council races. None of those elections would be recognized without certification, but that does seem to be unlikely. We'll see what happens in court. Cochise was not the only county that had heartburn over the election results in 2022. We also heard rumblings from Mojave County. What was that all about and how did it work itself out? Uh, Mojave County said that they really didn't seem to have any problems with the election returns, but they were going to wanted to delay certification to air their grievances with Maricopa County and the problems that occurred there. And they put off a vote a week ago. They sat down on Monday to make the vote, delayed for a couple of hours. And then after what appears to be a bit of a talking to from their attorney who said, this is this has got to happen. It's it's illegal to do otherwise. 
Um, otherwise, you face felony charges. The board very reluctantly voted unanimously to certify. And in that scenario, Republican candidates, again, would have uh, suffered. This would have even widened Kathy Hoffman's theoretical victory over Tom Horn for school superintendent. And it would have further put the AG's race, which right now is headed to a recount far outside of automatic recount range. Sasha, has Maricopa County acknowledged that they had serious problems that cannot be allowed to happen again? Is the county in a sort of a duck and cover mode, or are they really trying to ensure this doesn't happen moving forward? I think they're somewhere in between. You know, they've acknowledged and we've seen them acknowledge that these issues happened. The problems were not acceptable and they don't want them to happen again. And they made clear yesterday that they're planning on bringing in a team of outside experts actually to review exactly what happened and give them some further explanations around how this all went down. It sounds as though the county election officials have already done a little bit of preliminary kind of investigation into it and were at least able to give them some amount of a timeline yesterday as to when the issues first came up, which was around 6.20 a.m. in the morning, so really minutes after polling sites opened, and when they had a potential solution actually in hand and started dispatching technicians to, to help with it, which would have been around 1130 a.m., according to the testimony we heard yesterday. At the same time, I also think that the county feels very under attack right now. And given what they've seen in the last two years, I can understand why officials probably feel that way. They definitely are trying to still maintain that voters were not disenfranchised and that elections aren't perfect. And in some sense, they're not entirely wrong on the fact that elections generally don't go perfectly smooth. I think the problem is that this was an important election for Maricopa County to get right, and they didn't. Again, this was not a perfect election, but it was safe and secure. The votes have been counted accurately. And I thank everyone for their attention today. And with that, I would entertain a motion. That, of course, is a reminder of the infamous door three ballots that were so central, it seemed, to Republican hopes near the end of the initial counting phase that kind of fizzled and Republicans at the top of the ticket anyway sort of went down the drain along with ballots that did not prove as Republican-leaning as they had hoped. This seems to have only fueled the idea that there were a lot of voters who just were turned away or, or left. What can you tell us about the door three ballots and what, if anything, this means moving forward? So we saw about 17,000 ballots cast via door three. And I think it's important to note here that ballots cast via door three, generally these are ballots that they tried to run it through the tabulator a few times. Um, so some of these voters who came to these polling sites that were impacted by these issues, they may have tried to run their ballot through the tabulator once or twice and, you know, gotten it to take on second or third try. They also may have spoiled their ballot got an, a new one printed out for them, filled that out, and voted that for the tabulator and had that work. So this isn't a total count of voters like impacted by these problems entirely, but it's a count of 
voters who were not able to get the on-site tabulators to read their vote. And we know those 17,000 ballots went back to Maricopa County to the central counting facility, and they were successfully run through on-site tabulators there. County officials have said that 17,000 number is the total universe of ballots that were not able to be read by on-site tabulators, but it might not be the total universe of ballots that weren't able to be read by those tabulators because of the printer problems specifically. County officials estimated last, I had talked to them that at least a few thousand of those ballots actually weren't able to go through the tabulators because people were using blue ink pens on them and they weren't marking them correctly. So they, you know, instead of fully filling in the circle, they maybe made an X or check mark. And when you do that with a felt tip pen, the ink and the marking it leaves is a little thicker. So there's a better chance tabulators can read that even if you don't mark it correctly when you run it through the tabulator. But with these blue ink ballpoint pens, it's a very fine line that it leaves. And so because of that, more of those ballots were not able to be read by the tabulators and had to go to adjudication. So while Maricopa County ponders what kind of procedures to use moving forward, and while Cochise County will eventually, we presume, release their certified results to the state, there are other matters that are still hanging over this. We have, for example, automatic required recounts in a pair of races, don't we, Mary Jo? Uh, Yes, there are recounts that will begin after the December 5th statewide canvas for the state's superintendent of public instruction, where Republican Tom Horn is, is currently leading. There also will be a recount in the attorney general's race where Democrat Chris Mays currently leads by 510 votes over Abe Hamaday. Hamaday has already filed a lawsuit seeking to basically have the court declare him the winner, citing election irregularities. But usually a recount has to happen first before you have a solid figure to work with. There also is a legislative race in the Chandler area where there will be a recount and that will determine which of two Republican candidates gets the second seat in Legislative District 13. What kind of timetable are we looking at for this entire process, both the recounts, the lawsuits, anything along those lines? Can you say Merry Christmas? Um, <laughs> it's it's even though it's it's quote unquote just three races. There's a whole process that has to be done after the statewide canvas on Monday. The Secretary of State will have to go to the courts to get an order to conduct a recount. So that means going to 15 county superior courts. Then they have to go to each county and do logic and accuracy tests on tabulation machines. And uh, then they can start uh, running ballots through. So I know Maricopa County elections officials have estimated that this should wrap up by Christmas. Even then, we could still see this going into next year, I think. You know, there's always the potential that legal challenges will continue after this. The county is already facing two, one from Abe Hamaday and one around records from Carrie Lake. And Carrie Lake has also said that she intends to file an actual election challenge as soon as she is able to. 
And so, you know, there's a potential, of course, that people might challenge the results of the recounts as well. So really, there's no end to when this could stretch on, because then you also have the legislature, the new legislature coming in. So I'm sure you'll see a slate of election-related laws there, and the cycle will just keep going and going and going. No end in sight. Let those words (laughs) settle over your brain for a moment, listeners. That sounds like a great place to leave it. Ladies, thank you both for joining us and explaining all of this to us. If people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Sasha Hupka. That's H-U-P-K-A. And I'm at Mary J. Pitzel, P-I-T-Z-L. That is it for today, Gaggle listeners. You can always reach out to The Gaggle via email at thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's one word, all spelled out. Don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Amanda Luberto. You can follow her at... Amanda Luberto. That's L-U-B-E-R-T-O. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.